Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Squad Podcast. I'm joined by Cal McFadden, who is the host of the Football CFB Podcast. Thanks very much for coming on to the show, mate, and how are we? I'm very good, Scott. I'm absolutely delighted that you've, you've invited me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, in terms of your show, when it comes to analysing Scottish football and having passion for a game, I admire what you do. And it's going to be a big season this year, so wish you all the best with it. And hopefully I don't, I don't lose you too many listeners. Oh, thanks very much, mate. That means a lot. So, first of all, mate, I would like to congratulate you on the success of your podcast and the calibre of guests you've had on, mate. Like, you've definitely had some star-studded guests on your podcast from the likes of Graham Soonis, Henry Larson, Barry Ferguson and Joey Barton, to name a few. Thank you for that. It's, it's, it's honestly been mad when I started in, um, in January. I, I, I started with Christian Addy and, and Christian's a great guy. I'll always be thankful to him because... He gave me an opportunity to interview him when, when I didn't have any backgrounds um, or any previous guests to go by. So he gave me that opportunity, and then it's, it's, it's luckily it's going from there. And you mentioned Joey, Joey was, Joey was a turning point. Um, when we were in lockdown at the time, um, I had spoken to Alistair Campbell on the show, and, I, and he was just talking about Burnley, and I said, You know, I'd love to interview Joe and Barton. He says, Well, if you email these people, he says, I'll put a word in for you, but he said, chances are he won't do it, but good luck anyway, and just try it, try it that way. So I got in touch with his people, expected to hear nothing back, and it was a, a Wednesday afternoon, if I remember rightly, and I was watching Premier League years, whatever I was doing, not Wednesday afternoon, lockdown, couldn't really go anywhere. And the phone went, it was the lover puddling Scouse voice, I call him, Barton, and I thought, what's going on here? And he basically said, right, Alistair uh, explains what you do, and that you interviewed him, and uh, I'm willing to do it, so let's find a time. So, put the time in the following week, expecting to get 45 minutes, and he ended up <laughs> giving me six hours, which was, which was unbelievable. Yeah, mate, six hours, that is mad, and you know what Joey Barton's like, mate, he's a, he's a big personality, and see, when I was listening to that podcast, mate, like, I think you barely got a word on edge, <laughs> honestly, like, it's, you just asked the, you asked the right questions, though, and Joey Barton, very opinionated guy, he gave you, like, like some unbelievable content. Well, that's it, when you've got a guy like Joey, you, you, as you know yourself, doing, doing the show, you, you do your research, and with CFB, I've always been very open and honest from the start, that it sounds very cheesy, but I try and make it it's such that every guest that comes on, it's sort of their podcast, and it, albeit I'm hosting it and I'm steering it as, as much as I possibly can when it's appropriate to. But what about Henry Larson or Joey Barton or Barry Ferguson, whoever it is, I like to try and get them on and, and basically CFB, the, the whole concept behind it is to let those guys tell their story in their own words. And when, when I ask questions, I, I, I try and keep my questions as, as open as possible so that these guys can tell you their story in their own words rather than me trying to uh, put, put words in their mouth. So, for instance, uh, on the show, as it made headlines, it made talk sport with, with, with Joey's opinion and Mark Robertson. Those were Joey Barton's opinions and Mark Robertson, they were not mine. Um, I got on really well with Mark. Um, spoken before the podcast, spoken after it. I've uh, got a good relationship. And, and he knows that, as he said to me at the time, went, look, Callum, I listened to the snippet about myself because it was hard not to, it was on the radio, but... He said, I, 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 you did what you did with me. You asked me the question and he gave his opinion and, and that's what I try and do. I, I, I do give my opinions on different platforms, uh, BTP in, in America, 
um, and I'm doing an SPFL, so that's where I give my opinions. But in the in the CSB interviews, I, I like to try and keep it to, to the guests in their own words because I'm not naive enough. I know if I've got Barry Ferguson on, people want to hear him rather than listen to me for two hours. No, I know what you mean, mate, and uh, that's how, obviously, I, I came across your podcast, I listened to the full thing, and I was so fascinated by it, and it was like, see, when he was talking about the whole Joey, but uh, Joey Barton was talking about the Warburton stuff, see, at that point, uh, before you'd done that podcast, no one really knew what happened, and then Joey Barton um, came out and basically explained what happened, but he obviously was cautious on what he had to say, because he, I think he signed a, a, a some sort of a, agreement where he couldn't come out, and say exactly what he said to Mark Wilberton because I think he said that he would get sued so uh, on, on air um, he said a few things um, as, as made, made headlines but obviously there were certain aspects that he couldn't speak about on air um, but I don't think will come out in the public anytime soon but even off air he was very opinionated let's put it that way but uh, what was on air he was happy to go out and um, Obviously, it, it, it went around the world. It, it trended in fifty-six countries, which was which was bonkers. Um, as I say, Mark went on Talksport and has has say on it. Um, and, and luckily, as I say, I've got a good relationship with Mark, so I was able to pick the phone up to him. Um, the date came out, talked to him about it. He was happy. And then um, when I started doing a bit of work with BTP, Mark was the first guest we had on the show when I when I came in over there. So. Yeah, that sums up the man. He's, he's, he's a great guy, and, and a lot of people try and bridge it as always. You don't like Bartley, you like Warburton. For mm-hmm. me, you can like both, you can dislike both. It's just about respecting people's opinions. And for every Tony Barton, who's a goat, Mark Warburton, you'll get a, a, you'll get a Lee Wallace, um, you'll get a Matthew Benham, who will tell you nothing but, but kind things about Mark because he's a guy who's well liked within the game. Mm-hmm. And see, when, when Joey Barton was talking about the QPR, uh, incident with Mark Hughes. I thought, oh, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was in stitches listening to it, like, because I can picture the full thing in my head where they're all, all the Cooper players are celebrating in the dressing room, and then they're saying, "Oh, get Joey out," and Joey Barton's in the the bus, like, no, "I'm not going in there. No chance." <laughs> well, that, that's true, and I have to say, I've got a show coming out. Yeah, I know, I'm really looking forward to that, mate, and uh, oh, it's great to see your podcast is absolutely booming right now, but just one last thing on uh, the whole Joey Barton, th- Joey, uh, Barton thing, see the, the, the Daily Record, did they not use his quotes right, but not give you any credit? So, um, the record, and I thankfully have seen the Daily Record, which was great, but 
What happened was, um, essentially, I had agreed for a snippet of the podcast to go in the record um, to promote the podcast, etc. Um, what then happened was they took the entire thing and uh, released the entire thing as a transcript, um, which was never agreed and was quite naughty because at the end of the day, if you're getting 10,000 words out of something, it's not yours. It was, it was quite, quite disrespectful. Um, but having said that, um, they, they made a substantial donation um, to, the, to myself, which went to the NHS, as, as, as I'd agreed and I'd said to Julie would happen. Because um, it was never about money, and I've said this with CSB. It's the Daily Record or um, the Mail or the Daily Mirror, whoever it is, if they want to cover up a guest after on or a snippet of the podcast, I'm not in this to say, right, give me a couple hundred quid, give me this, give me that. All I want is exposure in terms of credits or for getting the guest. And when Henrik Larson agreed to come on the podcast, Michael Gannon, a journalist at the Record, um, covered that. He put the logo of CSB in the article, and I was absolutely delighted with it. My family and friends were delighted with it. Uh, Michael got a good piece for the paper and I get some good exposure for the podcast and everybody was happy and, and that's the way I think it, it should work and, and with the record at that time it was a, it was a situation I wasn't happy with um, they knew I was unhappy um, they, they were potentially maybe unhappy with the fact that Julie and I had called them out but as I say since then we've, we've sorted it out and as I say they covered the last podcast and they, they gave good coverage and and, and I understand that journalists can get a hard drop at times, and, and, and obviously I, I can, could see I felt the wrath of that. But for me, I think as long as people go about it in the right way, whether that's journalists, whether it's people myself in the position I'm in, it can work for everyone, and it can be something that, that helps a paper with a, a snippet of a story, and it helps you with some exposure. But I think it's got to work both ways, and obviously with the Joey episode, I don't think it did work both ways, but since then, the last one, um, it definitely looked both ways and hopefully in the future if there's another um, situation where a paper or whoever's interested in the least snippet of a quote of a show then hopefully it can work both ways because if, if, if they're helping me I'm happy to, I'm, I'm more than happy that they help me back as well Yeah exactly no you're spot on it's just all about a bit of respect you know and uh, I, like what they've done was wrong but it's good that it's been it's been rectified um, because you enjoy what had every right to call them out for it you know, but I just want to ask you, uh, Callum, when did you first realise that you wanted to get involved in the media? So, basically, I, 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 hope, I, I don't hold back and, 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 and try and pretend it's never been ambition. For me, when I was younger, um, like most uh, young males in Scotland, I dreamed of being a, a professional footballer. Um, I was decent at boys club level. I never signed for youth. I never had S-bonds. I never had a bad injury that stopped me becoming a player. I just was, was obviously in the grand scheme of things average. So there was no hard luck story. I was never going to be a professional. I wasn't good enough, although I was decent. Um, and since then, if I couldn't play the game, I always wanted to, to, to be involved in the game in some way. Um, and when it came to high school, I enjoyed writing. Um, I enjoyed English. I enjoyed modern studies, that side of it. So I was always interested in, 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 in articles and and analysing things. So, for me, being a sports journalist and or being a sports broadcaster is something that I've always really had an ambition to do. But when I was leaving school at 18, my family and my friends had said to me, if you don't know anyone within that industry, this was about 2012, 13 time, the chances of you breaking in the slim. Now, obviously, in hindsight, if I was to see that if I'd done that course, 
and I finished in 2017. He's got social media at his peak, podcast, etc. Then if I had that hindsight and knew that was coming, I'd have probably, yes, I'd have went for it. But I, I, I didn't see that coming, um, didn't see it coming for me either. So I, I work in education and I'm down that route, um, which I'm, I'm very happy in. Um, love my job. CFB is something that at the moment is a hobby. Would I love one day to work in, in sports media, whether it's broadcasting or writing? Of course I would, whether that's part-time or full-time. Will that day ever come? Who knows? Um, but it's, it's just something that I've always wanted to do. And the reason I started CFB was because, for whatever reason, going into 2020, I just felt this is going to be a big year. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to say, definitely is. No holidays or whatever, but... I thought it was going to be a big year, and I thought, you know, um, I'm going to start this, I'm going to try it. And if five people listen to it, it's an output for me to five people. And if it goes nowhere, at least I can say I've tried. When I started, I wrote a list of dream guests. People always say, oh, you've got to do dream guests. I go, yes, I do. But my top two when I started, and always will be with Mr. Alex Ferguson, Henry Larson. So I never thought I would get anywhere near one of them. Um, or any of them. So basically to get Larson down the line was, was absolutely incredible. But uh, it started, as I said, at the start, Christian Nadeau, Claire Waddle, um, Robbie Crawford, um, they like, interviewed him. And from there, it just started to grow a wee bit. Greg Morton contacted me and asked me if I would do a, a fans tuning podcast with the manager, David Hopkin, and, and Chief Executive David McKinnon, which was very good recognition for having only started MCFB. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Career juniors, my local juniors team, I contacted the manager um, to interview him and they said, Look, do you have anybody doing post match interviews, pre match interviews? And he said, No. So I volunteered to do that. Um, and since then, it's grown. Um, Hamilton Aki's given me a press accreditation for a Scottish Cup match, which was an incredible experience getting to speak to Brian Rice, um, getting to, to speak to young Andy Winter after he scored his debut. And, from there, the, the thirst and, and determination um, to succeed has grown. The, the, the podcast itself, um, I never thought it would grow so quickly. I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that, oh, I thought it was going to be a massive success. I didn't. I thought it would be okay, but I'd maybe expected to get 100 listeners per show and, and by the summer, and that would have been incredible. Um, with the writing side, I, I, I do like writing um, articles, as I mentioned at the start, but working full-time in education... I don't have the time to commit to write five, six, seven articles a week. Um, so I, I wrote a few articles whenever something that came up that I felt really passionate about. But since then, with the growth of the podcast, I've been able to recruit a team of writers um, voluntarily. I don't earn money from CFB, so I can't pay any money out. I don't call people and say I'm going to pay them. They, they come in knowing it's voluntary. And the agreement I have with anyone that writes for CFB is you come in, write what you're passionate about, I'll publish your articles, I will put your Twitter in it, I'll promote you, and when the day comes that someone comes in and wants to pay you for your work, off you go with my best wishes, because at the end of the day, it should hopefully, for for these guys and girls that have come in to write for CFB, I hope CFB can be a stepping stone for them, where they come in, maybe write articles for six months max, and then they go and get a paid freelance show with a paper on a website, and they get paid for it, because at the end of the day, there's so many talented people out there and they just need an opportunity. And, and for me, creating CFB gave me that opportunity to, to flourish and now I want to try and give back and, and, and allow people a platform that they can they can share their work on and, and the hope that 
I think he spotted on, on one day they want to be bigger and what I've achieved with CFB and, and I can be saying to them the future like could it get me a wee help now? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, mate. That but that's really good that you have that mindset where you like you're not selfish whatsoever and like it's all about who you know in the media as well and like you've got a good platform, you've got a, a good uh, fan base as well. So it's only going to grow and grow. And see what you're saying about writing there. Um, speaking of uh, newspapers, right? Where do you see journalism going with the decline of newspapers and this new wave of media nowadays? But like with podcasting and the growth of uh, broadcasting as well. For me, I, I, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that's shown that there can be a trend for. Um, a digital revolution as such with journalism is The Athletic. I have been quite disappointed that um, The Athletic haven't covered more than just Celtic Rangers. Within Scottish football, however, having spoken to Malin, he has said that they have not really been overly welcomed in a sense to Scottish football by even just Celtic Rangers. I don't know if that's both clubs or one club, I'm not sure he didn't say, but I just know that they don't really get press passes and stuff for, for conferences, so I think it's one of those ones where that's something I thought could have really started in Scotland and really kicked off and be built on. But if it's not going to be with the Athletic, I, I'll be honest with you, it would take someone to deep pockets. But I think with the decline of newspapers, I think there's there's a, there's a model there. Uh, I know Stephen Binkowski's got the uh, 2.1, and it may, it may well go on to, to, to be that thing, and, and good luck to Stefan and his team. Um, I think there's a, a, a place where... You've asked people to pay maybe four nine nine a month, two fifty a month. I don't know what the price would be. And you have a backer who basically brings in some of the most entertaining people um, and writing and podcasting. And you have a real platform that sees journalism in Scotland and the UK flourish. As I say, there's plenty of have done that by getting a team of writers. But you look at Scotland, you look at the likes of Simon Ferry, where he's achieved open goal. You look at Go Radio now. They've started and they've clearly went, he's doing some right, snap him up, and that's great to see. So I think for me, the, the way forward long term, there'll be some sort of digital platform um, where the, the very best writers, the very best broadcasters and podcasters are involved, covering football, covering sport, in a way that's maybe not been seen in Scotland before. Um, whether that's pie in the sky, I don't know, but... I just think, if you look at the athletic and what they've achieved down south, as I've said, if you had someone in Scotland with decent pockets, you could bring in pundits together from different channels and different platforms that never maybe worked together before. You think of like Michael Stewart, he's quite opinionated. He's someone that you would maybe want to see work alongside a, a, a Golden Strachan. I know he's not with Golden on and off, but you might want to see guys like that work more often. You might want to see what people like Stephen Thompson mixed in with Chris Sutton, etc. So if you had um, someone with investment who's willing to come in and invest in it, you would be able to bring the best from BT, Sky, um, BBC and, and whoever else together in the sense that you could have a platform exclusive to Scottish football with, with the most interesting people within it and create podcasts, videos and, and you could really make it the platform that's the go-to for everything. But as I say, that's probably a fair few years away. For me, the newspapers have got to respond in some way. I think the, the lack of response from them, in a sense, has been has been a bit of a shock. Um, I, I've spoken to Roger Mitchell a few times, and know he's not in folk, especially after um, recent tweets. But 
But Roger, for me, is someone who, whether you like him or you loathe him, and there are a lot of people who, who do loathe him, he's, he's a guy who's, who's got vision and, and he backs startup companies that go on to succeed. So he's always talked about the need for newspapers to evolve. The days of a press conference on a Saturday at 5pm after the game will be reported to a Monday. Those days are gone, I'm afraid. And, and, and I agree with him when he says that because... If you look at, for instance, a game at Norton, right? Mm-hmm. If I interviewed Jim McAllister at 5pm on a Saturday after the game, see by the time I was, see I was to hold that back to Monday, by the time I put that out, you get a lot of proportion of fans that moved on and they're thinking about the next game. So I think papers need to be more responsive and, and try and be more instant in a way. And I don't mean instant in a clickbait quite type sense where I draw people in with, with rubbish, sensationalised headlines. I just mean a digital platform on, the, on a website or whatever, even if it's behind a paywall, where if you interview Scott Brown after the game for the Daily Record or The Sun or whoever it may be, that's out within 15, 20 minutes rather than being bombarded to a Monday. The journalists that listen to this and say I'm totally wrong and that's a problem. Maybe it is a problem. I'm not educated enough to know that. They all have worked in the industry a lot longer than me, but I definitely think there needs to be a, a revolution to, towards the digital side because, let's be honest with you, I know the older generations still enjoy the newspapers, but the younger generations, are, for years to come, are only going to go more digital. I mean, you see that with contactless payments and cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the days of carrying cash uh, for younger generations is pretty much gone, and that's the way newspapers are, unfortunately, as well. No, you're, I, know, I couldn't agree more, mate, because... Like, as you say, like the new wave is digital and yes, as you were saying, like the old school people will still want to buy newspapers, but see the younger generation, me included, like I, I couldn't tell you the last time I went and bought a newspaper. I, I get all my stuff from online and yeah, I think the newspapers nowadays need to be more, as you say, responsive uh, because like see if they're publishing uh, Scott Brown's interview like two or three days after the game, people are like, not interested. I've seen that like 15 minutes after it came out. Well, that's it exactly, and I think with club TV as well. I know obviously club TV is not not necessarily a go to for neutrals because it is going to be slightly diluted. And and to be honest with you, I know people complain about that, but at the end of the day, that's just the nature of the beast. They're not going to call Celtic TV and Man United TV or Ton TV when it starts and slate the clubs that are employing you. So I think people need to understand that to an extent as well. But at the same time, that as I say, there is a need for that instant, instant sort of um, communication with fans and neutrals. Because at the end of the day, as as you've rightly said, if, 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 if there's a Hearts derby and Martin Boyle scores four goals in the derby, or Steve Maysmith scores four goals just to make sure it's neutral, there, yeah. Um, if one, of, if one of those players scores four goals, you're not wanting to wait to Monday to find out what they've got to say about the best game of their life. You want to know what they're saying that night on the way home or the very, very latest the next morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was I was going to ask you this one, mate. Um, the Henry Larson podcast, uh, what was that feeling like when you found out, right, I'm getting one of my childhood heroes on uh, CFB? I'll be honest with you, um, disbelief. Um, I had spoken to people who um, had played with Henry, had spoken to people who, like me, had admired him, and a lot of people that even had knew, known him as well. And 
he's quite a, a private man. He doesn't do an awful lot of interviews, and, and a lot of people have said to the time, look, at the chances of him doing a CFB interview with you is very slim. Not because he's disrespectful, just because he's quite a busy guy, and as well, he doesn't really do an awful lot of interviews. And it's one of those things where, uh, uh, as I say, having Sir Alex up with the top two, and, and they always roll with the top two, and I thought, I'm going to try my hardest and, and just see what happens. And, and when I found out that he was willing to do it, I, 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 I thought, right, okay, I've heard he's willing to do it, but I'll believe it or I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, I'll believe it when I hear it, because at the end of the day, there's always that doubt, doubt inside of you in the back of your mind that goes, ah, there's no way he's going to do this. And, and to be fair, when, when he agreed to do it, and, and, and it got arranged, and, and I heard his voice um, on the end of the phone, I thought, geez, oh, this is real. And yeah, and you paint yourself like totally starstruck. <laughs> it is, it's like the intro... That intro when I listen back to it on the testimonials and stuff is quite quite excitable. And then after the answers, the first part, I knew right I knew my head right away, right, me calm down, right, me go through this interview like like we do everyone else and, and make sure it's an interview that people want to listen to rather than just me put another and a half there and how good it is. <laughs> I know what you mean, mate. Um like see right before that one, would you say that episode did you feel like, right, I'm speaking to one of my heroes here, I'm gonna I need to like calm down a bit, not be like I can't be too excited. I can't. Like, I just need to keep like control my nerves as well. But I can imagine you were, you were a bit, a wee bit nervous at least going into that one. Oh, definitely. In terms of nerves, um, whenever I've spoken to people that are heroes or people that I really admire, Matt Altissi was another one. That's there's a there's a side that just and you know this yourself when you go. I do not want to mess this up. I don't want them to think I'm incompetent. I don't want them to think I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and that was one of the things that, that I think I'll get into that one. Um, the most nervous I had been um, for a show was Alistair Campbell because he was the first, I would say, massive name that I'd had. And I thought, I remember the night before that thinking, right, I'm speaking to Alistair Campbell tomorrow, which was mentally even saying that out loud and thinking, right, when I speak to him, I need to be polished. I need to make sure that I've got my, my, my prep is done, but I need to make sure it's done in a way that I'm not too nervous I'm not stuttering it flows coherently because if this goes well I can back myself to do even more high profile interviews and, and it went that way since then and, and even with Hendrick it's one of those ones where I think I'm at I'm, I'm a stage now with CFB where even if I got Sir Alex or I got I don't know Eric Cantona or whoever it may be mm-hmm. as much as I would be in awe of the person I think I, I'm in a position now where I'm able to control myself and do my research and know that, right, this is an interview and it's for listeners, not just yourself. And obviously when, when you stop recording, you might get a wee two minutes extra before we start or after we finish to speak to them like, like a fan, you know. But mm-hmm. it's one of those ones where definitely, as you've said, it's the nerves kick in, but it's good to harness those and try and see them as a positive to, to produce a show that crucially people will enjoy because... Although that was a dream for me to speak to Henrik Larson, I like to think that I get the chance to speak to him when maybe the thousands that have listened to it, maybe they won't get a chance to speak to him for an hour and a half. And I don't mean that in, a, in an arrogant, gloating sense. I just mean that in a sense of, if I'm getting the hour and a half, I want it to be an hour and a half that people can enjoy rather than a selfish hour and a half where people see as an interview that's all about me. I want it to be about him and hopefully to tell people things that they, that they, they didn't already know about. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I was, I was actually this one, right, but you don't need to say the episode, but you ever done a episode or like an inter- uh, interview with someone, you're like, ah, could have done better there? It's, that's an interesting question. Um, I understand, I, I know what you mean. Um, I would say, I would say yes, especially at the start, because I'm someone that's quite harsh on myself, but at the same time, the way I go into it is I try and, as I've said before, I like to try and get them to speak their own words because I don't want to put words in their mouth. But I think there's there's not been many that I've came out and thought, oh God, I wasn't happy with that. There's a few, to be honest with you, you come out of and the audio quality, for whatever reason, out with your control, you're maybe not 100% happy with. I've had that a few times because sometimes you're on the phone to somebody halfway across the world or whatever. And that can be a bit frustrating from a personal side. But you've just got to remind yourself, look, look, the audio quality on whatever episode it may be might not be the greatest, but at the same time, that person's given you 45 minutes or an hour of their time for free. And you can never take that for granted. So you just try and clean it up as best you can and and get it out there to, to share their story. Because at the end of the day, every single person that comes on, um, the fact they're giving you their time is... It's mad, and for me, it's just from where I was, obviously, in January, just starting out to now, the thought of Henrik Larson giving me 90 minutes of his time is just absolutely bonkers, because, I mean, these guys and, and women, the female players I've had on as well, they owe you nothing, uh, you know, they don't owe me 10 minutes or 10 seconds, never mind an hour, so I'm so grateful to everybody that's, that's given me the, 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 the opportunity to interview them, because there's plenty of interesting stories out there, and I think... Once people are aware of your work and once people know that you're, you're not there to stitch them up, you're there to give them a platform, they're more receptive to speaking to you, which, which is absolutely great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think I might have said to you off air, but I like how diverse your podcast is. Like, you would have footballers on, journalists, authors, and uh, even YouTubers. Uh, I've seen you done a podcast with Mark Goldbridge. Uh, he's quite a, quite a character, isn't he? But Mark's a character. Um, I got to know Mark in the sense that I, when I joined BTP, we recorded a show with Mark and um, he was, after the show finished, he was complimentary, went, look, he says, no, there's respect to you, he said, I've never really heard of you before. I says, oh, no, don't worry, I don't take any offence to that. Um, he said, what do you do? I explained it, I said, do CFB, this is where it is, blah, blah, blah. He followed it right away, reached to the show and then um, gave me his contact form and just said, look, if you ever need anything, give me a shout, so I kept in touch with him, um, not every day or every week basis by any means, but I kept in touch, enjoy your work, and enjoyed this, he was doing the same, and I said to him, look, I'd like to get you on in, in the future, um, and he said, yeah, very busy at the moment, but when time allows, I'll do it, not a problem, and, and to be fair to him, it, as soon as he was free and we could get it in the, in the, in the diary, he, he, he came on, and he, he was great with his time, and one of the things I want to say about Mark is, he gets a lot of stick from certain people. Uh, say he's a Northern Forest fan, or he's this, or he's that. See the level of abuse that guy takes? It's disgusting, because he's a guy who set up a platform from scratch and built it into a platform that's, that's viewed at times by nearly three quarters of a million people when he goes live. And that's some doing. And I think it's one of those ones where, see, we don't agree with Mark Goldberg, you don't agree with the United Stand, turn it off. I don't religiously watch it. 
um, of interest in certain elements that Mark does, especially when he interviews the likes of Fabrizio Romano and others. But if you don't like it, don't watch it. There's no need to abuse the guy and abuse his family because at the end of the day, he's, he's, doing, a, he's doing a show at Manchester United. He's not doing... He's not the president of the United States or the prime minister and making decisions that are costing people's lives or, or, um, or, or putting, putting people out of work. He's, he's doing a Man United show. And if you like it, listen to it and watch it. And if you don't, just leave it. Because I find that CFB as well. It's, you get people that, for whatever reason, come after you and, and want to be negative and want you to stop. But at the end of the day, you very quickly learn that those, those you're, you're not... You're not really aiming your shows at them as such. You're aiming at shows at people that are that are reasonably minded and, and are happy to, to give it a listen. You're, you're not aiming your shows at people who who want to put you down because sadly, west coast of Scotland um, and, and maybe even in the UK in general, you could say there's, there's going to be for every eight people or seven people that like your podcast or, or like your designer label or whatever it is you're, you're, you're doing. There's going to be three that tell you you're horrendous and they think you're a clown. So you've just got to remember and remind yourself that you're doing a good job and, and, and if people are listening and if you're crucially you're happy with what you're doing, you can succeed because at the end of the day, those three or four people in every ten that don't want to give you the light of day, they're not the people you're targeting, they're not the people that you want to bring over because if that's their attitude and their negativity, they're not the sort of people you want on your platform or sharing your stuff anyway. Yeah, and no, I, well, I couldn't agree more because see the type of people that are criticising CFB or even my podcast... And they're like they're basically it's fine to disagree with someone's opinion, right? But see when they're going out to really attack you, like personally, I see when I see that kind of level of abuse, I'm just thinking like, what are they got going in their lives? Like they want to criticize people who are just doing a hobby, doing something they enjoy, and like they 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 just seem like such negative people where they're not in a good mindset uh, in their head, and they just want to take out all their anger on people who are basically. Causing no, they're causing no uh, problems to anybody whatsoever. Uh, just because they disagree with someone's opinion, they, they like Mark Goldbridge, as you say, like he's doing no one any harm. He's just putting out content about uh, the team that he loves, and he's just getting like, as you say, like he was getting, he's, he was getting a ridiculous amount of abuse, which was just so unnecessary. But it, see, it annoys me nowadays, mate. Like seeing tw- uh, Twitter and social media in general, it's like everyone has an opinion, and they they can hide behind this fake persona which is like totally wrong and some of the stuff that gets said online to people with a bit of following or even celebrities is utterly ridiculous that's mad there's, there's, there's an account that's been set up now I don't know who by <laughs> I, 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 I get scared to think who by that basically um, trolls through um, old tweets of CFB that um, trolls through I don't know how they get access to it a personal Twitter account um, that I had when I was 14 and I deactivated um, to, to try and prove that I'm a Celtic fan and I don't like Morton and I do this and I do that. I hold no bones about it. I grew up, um, I, my, my dad was a, a massive Rangers fan. My mum's side of the fa- family, massive Celtic fans. My mum and dad split when I was younger. I grew up in the Celtic side, therefore I have a strong allegiance to Celtic. I don't hide it. The show, CFB, is not a Celtic show. It never has been. It never will be. Some of the guests recently have been high-profile Celtic players because they've agreed to do it. 
I try and keep it. I try and make it as balanced as I can in terms of guests. But when I started CSB, David Robertson, former Rangers player, came on. Robbie Crawford, former Rangers player, came on. Um, and, and former Rangers players were, were were the players who wanted to come on for whatever reason at that time. And they gave me their time more than ex-Celtic players did. There's been a bit of a shift in that now. But it's not through any bias in myself to say, right, I want to just chase Celtic guests. Because at the end of the day, if you want to listen to a Celtic podcast, go and listen to 20 Minute Terms. Go and listen to the 90 Minute Cynics. Go and listen to a Celtic State of Mind, Celtic Ray, whatever's out there. I'm not a Celtic podcast. If you want to listen to a Rangers one, go for uh, This Is iBooks, go for uh, Four Lads of the Dream. Go Hunt for hand. those. Yeah. Absolutely. Go for, go for uh, those go for those podcasts because they're club podcasts that's where you're going to get the, the club content for me whether you play for Celtic Rangers Auckland Lake Talbot Man United Barcelona whoever it is I just want to interview them and, and tell their story of their career so uh, as I say there's, there's an account that for whatever reason just <laughs> I ended up having to block the account um, because at the end of the day it was like Lemmy said on Twitter ages and ages ago he said as much as they get that wee sad kick that you've blocked them, it just is so good for your your mental health to just press that button and know you won't need to put with them again. And that's what I've found as well. It might give them a wee kick, oh, look, I've managed to get him to block me. Or, look, he's too sensitive to, to read what I'm saying. But once once you, they get that initial kick, I mean, they're gone, you don't need to put with it because... I just find it strange, but at the same time, as I've said in that previous answer there, you've got to just remind yourself that those people, no matter what you do, aren't they going to like what you're doing? You could get a 10-minute exclusive with Lionel Messi saying he's leaving Barcelona to join Chelsea, and they still wouldn't give you the credit for it. So at the end of the day, you're not you're not looking to please them, because at the end of the day, you've, you've hinted that as well. For whatever reason, they probably aren't pleased with their own life or their own situation they're in which is a shame, and they've got to take that out in other people, um, which again, it, it is just not nice, but at the end of the day, that's the world we live in, so as I say, whenever anybody asks me, they say, what, not that lots of people do day on day, but a few people have said, what advice would you give to someone doing a podcast, or what advice would you give to someone wanting to, to do well, and, and, I, and I always just say, look, be true to yourself, whenever I record CSB, and ask the questions in my persona or the way I go about myself. That's the way I am in real life. That's the way I am with my pals. That's the way I am with my fiance. If I was to meet a footballer on the street and be given five questions with them, I would speak the same way. Um, the reason I say that is because if you put on an act, you'll very quickly get found out. Because at the end of the day, once you're in a situation where you're putting on a voice or you're, you're being somebody that they're not, eventually you wake up in the morning and you get fed up and go, I'm just being safe, I can't be bored. Whereas for me, because I'm just being myself, it's a case of whoever I've got on, do my research and go for it. And, and crucially as well, one of the things that I think is the best advice I could give someone is be prepared for people to say no. And don't be offended by that. Um, I've been, for all the great guests that I've had, I've been probably the same about who've said no, I've got no interest in doing it. Um, or they don't reply to you, they don't back to you. And again, that's absolutely fine because people are busy. But the best advice I would give is keep going because I've had a few guests who said no at the start. And then as soon as you get a Barton or a Larson, they'll say, you know, no, I've changed my mind, I want to do it now. So at the end of the day, you don't don't give up. Be yourself and, and, and press that block button if you have to because as Lemmy said, 
they might get their wee two minutes of satisfaction, but at the end of the day, you get away from, from any of the, the mental strain that, that crazy negativity can put in. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's just mental how... Your point, how it's just crazy how mental. Oh, sorry, <laughs> can I stuck there? Oh, I got a bit flustered, but it's crazy how much your podcast has progressed, mate. Like, I mean, you started it in January this year, we're in August, and you've had Henry Larson, Joey Barton, and Barry Ferguson on. And it must be a compliment to yourself that Barry Ferguson listens to your podcast on a regular basis. That was insane during lockdown. I had Kyle on his son, and, and Kyle had said, Look, Dad, listen to this podcast I was on, and he listened. And then he, he, he went through, back through a couple of the previous ones, and he listened to them as well. And when I, when it, I, I was speaking to, to Barry, um, and we recorded it, and when he said to me, he went, No, he said, I know who you are. He said, um, Kyle said, Would I do it? And I said, No, I will do it. I'll get around to it. A couple of weeks later, he said, I, I'm doing it. He says, I know who you are. You've interviewed blah, blah, and blah. Um, I, I listened to the players, some of the players I've got at the club that you've interviewed, and I like to hear what they're saying about me. And, and he said it on, live on air, which was unbelievable as well. He said, Look, I'm really pleased for you, and, and I hope it continues to grow. And it sort of Barry up. I mean, Barry's someone who'll get stick from um, Celtic fans, he'll get stick from maybe some element of Rangers and Scotland fans. But in the dealings I've had with Barry on the show, and I've spoken to him a couple of times after it, he's been a gen, and he's someone who. I've got a lot of time for because at the end of the day he says what he thinks and as well when he speaks he's got the authority to speak he capped in Scotland he won the treble with Aegis he won the league cup at Birmingham so for everyone that says I'll pass back Barry or says this if Barry Ferguson was just a pass back player and he was just a player who was overrated he wouldn't have achieved half of what he achieved in the game he was a player who was able to captain a Rangers side with some really top class Bolton and non-world class players like Sir Van Broadcast and others for the Bulls so he's a guy who for me gets the utmost respect, utmost respect for me but I think he should from a lot more people because I think in a, in a strange sense he's an underrated player I think he's the sort of guy who if you're a Rangers diehard and you watch the week in week out you know how good he is but I think there's still people out there that don't support Rangers um, maybe see, watched how it ended with in Scotland and, and maybe try and undermine him but for me he's one of the best clubs Scotland have produced in the last 20-30 years and and I'll tell you as well as good as the midfield is for Scotland now you would you would still kill for a Barry Ferguson in that team Oh mate, honest to God, like I love, I love Barry Ferguson growing up, and I think uh, you might have heard uh, from my previous uh, episodes in Scotland School that I'm a massive Rangers fan. But but my show is a Scottish football show where I have a Celtic fan on, I would have an Aberdeen fan on, a St Mirren fan on because like it's like because when I first started doing it, I think I had. Uh, I think it was just me and my pal who like both Rangers fans and I was like no I need to spice this up a bit because I need a pundit on who's a Celtic fan and I need, I need a pundit on who's a St Mirren fan Aberdeen fan so they can instead of just listening to Rangers fans but yeah just uh, one me quickly on Rangers mate I think this Rangers team is crying out for a, a Barry Ferguson in that midfield because I, I think this Rangers team is lacking a bit of leaders right now <laughs> Well, I think with Rangers, I have to say, um, I'm a big fan of Ryan Jack. I like him as a player. I think um, injury-wise, injuries haven't been kind to him at times um, when he's been able to do the Rangers. But no, I, I would agree with what you're saying there. I think for me, um, Stephen Gerrard, I've said this on record, hasn't moved Rangers since he came in. I do also think there's an element that 
and I know what we're going to present on this is iBooks that said this. Um, so it's not just me trying to have a biased perspective. We've said that if it was any other manager than Gerard, would they be getting a harder time for certain results? The Livingston result, probably. But at the same time, I, I think he's definitely improved the club. Um, there's more positivity around the club than, than there was under Pedro Cachini. That's, there's no doubt about it. And, and I said this when I previewed the SPFL season with Andy Ritchie. Not having a winter break this year should play into Rangers' hands because on paper, for the last two years, Rangers have won that game after Christmas against Celtic, then had a break and cut their momentum. This year they won't have that cutting momentum if they can get build it um, in that Christmas period that they have done the last two years. So for me, the Rangers have got a real chance of winning the title. And, and for whatever anyone says about Rangers, I mean, Rangers are a massive, massive club. Um, they're one of the biggest clubs in the UK, biggest clubs in Europe, as of Celtic. Um, and as I say, I, I think the perspective growing up where I grew up in Celtic side of the family, but my dad's a Rangers fan. And really, uh, uh, it's such... Uh, I've never really had the, the toxic element in me that says, oh, I hate all Rangers fans or I hate everybody with this. I have never grown up among that because as I say I've, I've experienced both sides and, and my family's kind of split in that regard so I've never really had that in me which I think has been nice in the sense that if Rangers win 5-0 and they have a great game I can happily compliment Rangers and say they've played excellent and he's a great player and he's a great player and if Celtic could beat 5-0 I'll happily say that was disgraceful he was poor he was poor I don't have the blinkers on to an extent where every single thing I see is through a Celtic prism I, I don't have that um, because as I've said I'm not a Celtic show and, and even in football as well although I support um, I support my clubs um, Celtic and Morton I, I can see I can see the game through a, a, a more balanced perspective most of the time because at the end of the day it's one of those ones where if you see football through just the perspective of the team you support it can be very narrow, and there's nothing wrong with that. As I say, people will say, oh, you still have one club, you still have this. Fair enough. Um, but I always think it's, it's good to, to try and be, to be more open-minded because at the end of the day, football goes in cycles. This cycle at the moment for Celtic is a great cycle for the club. The 1990s was a great cycle for Rangers, and who knows what the cycle will be next in the future. No, exactly. Um, it's interesting times ahead, that's for sure. But just a wee thing uh, before we wrap up, uh, Callum, what you said, like, you can look at it, the, the, the game from a, a balanced perspective because if you're going to be a pundit and just say, for example, Gary Neville, um, we all know he's a massive Man United fan. He was a great Manchester United player, right? When he first started out in Monday Night Football, he was like, right, I couldn't, like, everyone's going to think I'm just going to be right up Manchester United's arse, right? I need to be more balanced and if Man United do put it I need to call it as I see it and he's very harsh in Manchester United and just if he wasn't like that he would lose all credibility as a pundit and when I'm doing Scott score I always try to be as fair as I possibly can and when, even when it comes to Rangers I'm, I think I'm the most harsh on them out of everyone on the pod because it's like if I was just right up Rangers arse and I was looking at, it, looking at everything from a uh, from blue tinted specs, people are like, oh, no, can't take that seriously. So yeah, like I love how you've got that balanced perspective when it comes to Celtic, and you just need to call it as you see it. You have to, and, you, and I think the likes of Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher have, have really helped in in many senses. Like that I know in Scotland, people um, it's, it's more difficult in Scotland in the sense that if someone's got a Celtic connection 
It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. I really enjoyed the chat, and uh, honestly, I would love to just sit and chat to you all day. And uh, it means a lot that you came on, mate. And yeah, uh, like cause I, I, I messaged you. I think it was like a month ago, and uh, you said you'll come on right away, and that meant a lot. And I was over the moon, and uh, we eventually got it sorted. And uh, yeah, it means a lot. I really appreciate it, mate. And uh, I'll get this uploaded. And yeah, it was fascinating talking to you. Honest to God. No, I really appreciate that, and with yourself and. In the podcast, if you want to go on again in the future, you know, just to reach out, and it's one of those things um, where if I've got the time, I'll be more than happy to do it anytime because at the end of the day, the way I look at it with podcasts and websites and everything is, 
if you see life as a competition, nobody wins. Whereas for me, everyone's got a, I've got a platform, so it's, it's only fair I feel that if I can come on other shows or retweet something to support others, then I'll do it. Because at the end of the day, when I started, and even now, there's people that you mentioned, Mark Lowbridge, he's got about 20, he's got about 20 times the followers and the listeners I've got, but he'll retweet a show now and again or whatever. And I think it's one of those things where we've all got to support each other because the more we can pull each other up in life, the more we all win. Because as I've said, when, when you make life a competition and I'm not speaking to him and I'm not speaking to her, then, then nobody wins, to be honest with you. So thanks for having me on. I wish you all the very best. And I know this is going to go from strength to strength because... I like your style, and I think your balance, which is the main thing in Scottish football, because it's never dull. Oh, thanks very much, Callum. But I'll see before you go. There's one last thing I just need to ask you, right? Um, I've seen that you're also an ambassador for Man on Inverclyde. Can you quickly tell me about that? Yes, of course. So basically, Man on Inverclyde uh, was set up because in Inverclyde there was an alarming um, number of suicides in young people. Um, I know North Lanarkshire has um, set up a similar thing in the past because there's a situation there as well and and basically um, the guys had set that up um, and I was really inspired by what they were doing um, they asked me to go on their podcast and speak about the journey of CFB and I've also battled anxiety still too um, and speak about that which I, which I did and um, we, they said look would you be happy to come on board as an ambassador and I said absolutely so the guys at Maro and Inverclyde, Chris and his team do a wonderful job. Uh, my role basically is to help out in any way I can, whether it's promoting them through social media and online, whether it's um, attending events, whether it's um, hosting something in the future, whatever it is they need me to do, um, I'll be happy to do that because as, as the Maro and Inverclyde motto is, we would rather speak to you while you're struggling than, than, than speak about you at the show. Hey, Calum, I think that's brilliant how open you are about it. I think everyone faces anxiety and it's great to see uh, what you're doing with that. Um, then, as I said there, thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to you, mate. Anytime. All the best.